After a series of bizarre events one evening, Joseph Schuyler Burnley went in search of his friend's missing truck. While searching along a highway in Mississippi, Sky mysteriously disappeared. Was his friend telling the whole truth about what happened that day? Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic today, Tim. I hope everyone out there is doing great. And really, the nagging question is, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for asking. I You're appreciate welcome. it. <laughs> and uh, Lance, today's episode, we are speaking about the disappearance of Joseph Schuyler, Sky Burnley. And Sky is kind of his nickname. And we're going to break this case down with our co-worker Jennifer Mel and this case was submitted to private investigations for the missing which we are on the board of Lance and our listeners can check out what is going on at private investigations for the missing at investigationsforthemissing.org they do a fantastic job not only communicating with the people who submit these missing person cases they do a fantastic job researching them breaking them down and delivering the information in a way where we can confidently put that out there to the public raise the awareness of these missing persons and sky burnley has been missing since june 3rd 2016 from rankin county Mississippi. He is 27 years old, a white male, about five foot nine inches, about 160 pounds, hazel eyes, light brown hair. And this is, again, we say it all the time, but it, they just keep coming and they just keep getting more and more mysterious. And this one's no exception. Absolutely, Lance. And if anyone has any information, please contact the Rankin County Sheriff's Office at 601-825-1480. And before we get into this one, Tim, we got a couple of uh, fun announcements. We really do. We've launched a new subscription service for Missing for this show, um, and we've never had one before. You can find it at missing.supportingcast.fm, and there's also a link in the show notes that you can click to toggle yourself on over there. And we're offering ad-free episodes, which is one great benefit, Lance, and we're also doing a sort of a behind-the-scenes show where we share additional thoughts and theories. We're calling that Hidden Opinions, and I really think that is very informative and sort of gives you an inside look to the inner workings of how we put together this, um, this research and really just an episode. So depending on which tier you elect, you can get everything you just mentioned, the ad-free, the additional thoughts and, and theories. But if you elect the next tier up, tier two, you can get all of what you get in tier one. Plus, you can get things like a live Ask Us Anything, and that'll be Jen, you, myself, so you can be a part of that. And then we featured the episodes that we were calling our creator commentary, where we have the old episodes of Missing More Murray playing while we're simultaneously, years later, re-listening to it and commenting. I've called that a special kind of torture, but it's also very informative because we end up correcting some mistakes that we've made. And Tim, we do give ourselves a fair amount of shit because 
it is uh, a lot easier to deal with ourselves that way. Yeah, there's no doubt there, Lance. Um, so I hope everyone checks it out, and I hope you enjoy it. Let us know uh, what you think. That's missing.supportingcast.fm. And Lance, we're going to CrimeCon at the end of April. April 29th, 30th, and May 1st of 2022, we will be in Las Vegas. We can't wait to see your faces again. It's been way too long. We're going to be in Vegas, like you said. We'll be on Podcast Row. We're hoping to get a couple of live podcasts going, and we're very excited to introduce you all to our new partners at Glassbox Media, who will be representing themselves. They'll be representing the shows that are on the Glassbox Media Network. We are a part of that. So swing on by the area that Glassbox has booked out on Podcast Row, say hi, and find out who these folks are. And Tim, tell the listeners what they win. They won 10% off when they check out purchasing a standard badge at CrimeCon.com. If and only if they use promo code CRAWLSPACE, which is one of our other podcasts, Lance. So code CRAWLSPACE for 10% off at CrimeCon.com. We will see you there in Las Vegas. Okay, thanks a lot for listening, everybody. We're going to break quick for commercial here, and then we'll be right back with Jennifer Mel to break down the mysterious disappearance of Joe Burnley. Please follow us on social media at MissingCSM. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to the podcast, Jennifer Amell. How are you today? Doing very well. I'm glad to be back and discussing yet another case. Uh, and this case comes to us from Private Investigations for the Missing. And this pretty excellent research was conducted by our friend and colleague, Kathleen Studer. And guys, have you ever been so confused by a case before? I mean, yeah, there's been a handful of cases, right, where you look at all the details and there are these like glaring omissions of maybe um, a time period or somebody's statement contradicts later on and you have to go back and just wonder, is it bad um, reporting or is it somebody is not telling the truth? They're covering something up. This seems to have a few of those. And I don't want to say this as if it's like taking it too lightly, but it checks off all the boxes of what makes these disappearances um, so remarkably strange and so remarkably fascinating in, in, in that dark tourism way. Um, I am confused about this, and I will be perfectly frank when we come to the parts that confuse me. 
And big thanks to Kathleen and Private Investigations for the Missing. Make sure to check out what they're doing at investigationsforthemissing.org. So Joseph Schuyler Sky Burnley has been missing since Friday, June 3rd, 2016 from Rankin County, Mississippi. He was 27 years old at the time of his disappearance, male, he's white, 5'9", 160 pounds, hazel eyes, and light brown hair. And the description of his clothing was taken the day he went missing from a video showing that he was wearing a yellow short-sleeved button-down shirt, blue shorts, brown loafers with white socks, and a two-tone brown baseball cap. He has several tattoos, including a kanji character and the phrase, get lucky, with a four-leaf clover. Joseph Schuyler was known as Sky, and he was the firstborn child to Stacy Humble and Glenn Burnley. He was later joined by a brother, Shelby, and a sister, Madison. As a kid, Sky loved to play baseball and loved the Old Miss Rebels football team. He grew up with an extended family around who loved him very much, and he was very family-oriented. His father likes to play guitar and sing, and Sky also was pictured with his dad's guitar in hand. His parents are divorced now with his dad remarrying, and Skye gained a stepmother who also loves him very much. Now, according to his mother, he had experimented, unfortunately, with pills when he was younger. When he was 18 at the Neshoba County Fair, he was arrested for being in possession of five Xanax. And I didn't realize this, uh, that at the time, this was considered a felony charge. And it's unknown if he pled guilty or if he was found guilty, but he was sentenced to do time at Walnut Grove, a state-owned for-profit prison that formerly housed juvenile offenders, which, again, like five Xanax, uh, struck me as a a low quantity to actually be put into a state uh, for-profit prison. At 18? Right? Yeah. Oh, my God, yes. And and Xanax. It's not like it was heroin. Right? And this is a felony charge, which is just mind-blowing to me. Clearly a problem there um, with their prison system. It is really unfortunate that he was caught with those five Xanax, because I think that really steered his life in a different direction than maybe he would have headed had he, you know, grown up, went to high school and college. I think only now we're just seeing some more relaxed drug laws um, kind of sweep the country. But yeah, unfortunately... I guess this would have been in the early to mid-2000s when he was caught. It's a great point that you raise. If he was not sentenced and if he had simply received, I don't know, maybe a, a, a written citation for five Xanax, I wonder what his life would have turned into. Because, you know, yeah. what did he experience at 18 in prison that could have changed him? And just that mindset going into prison and coming out like now you've done time for a felony charge. Yeah, it certainly changes the trajectory of someone's life. Well, the facility was eventually closed down in 2016 after the Department of Justice and the FBI got involved and investigated extensive corruption throughout Mississippi's correctional facilities, noting civil rights violations happening at that prison at Walnut Grove. Incredible. Get the death by incarceration team on it. Team DBI can look into this and they'll... They'll crack that walnut wide open. So after Sky's release from Walnut Grove, uh, he started working in construction and he found a girlfriend. And according to his brother, he fell off the wagon a couple times, but he would go a year and a year and a half of being okay and then kind of slip up again. As we know, it's a, it's a constant struggle if you are an addict to keep clean. So after a little bit more than a year before he went missing, 
Sky and his girlfriend started going to church, and they found a shared interest in church activities and found community there. They even left each other notes on sharing scripture and their love for one another. So that's that's pretty cute. Yeah, and I think it's great to throw yourself into faith. You know, I mean, church isn't isn't for me necessarily, but um, you know, I think whatever whatever you find that f- helps give you meaning, I think is important. Yeah, especially when you can find a community there, like you said. It doesn't matter what it is, you know. It, it that if that's what's helping you, that's what you should be doing. And Sky was very close to his 92-year-old grandmother, whom he stayed with at her home in Florence, Mississippi, to help care for her. He wasn't known for taking off or disappearing and checked in with family often. He also visited his dad and stepmom only two days before he went missing. So I'm a big uh, geek about the area, and I always like to uh, geographically place myself there. And Rankin County, Mississippi is centrally located in the state with the edge of the western county line created by the Pearl River and the Ross R. Barnett Reservoir. The capital city of Jackson lies just to the west of the county line with the towns involved in this disappearance being in the suburban area east of Jackson. The population of the county is noted as just over 155,000. The bulk of the county is rural, forest, and farmland. 155,000, that's not a lot of people. Yeah, it's pretty small. It seems like if it is suburban, there's like clusters of neighborhoods and then just like wild around it. Okay, so on the evening of Thursday, June 2nd, 2016, Sky was at his friend Travis Brewer's house near Whitfield, Mississippi. And he was there along with Travis's girlfriend, Amanda Morris, their four-year-old daughter, and another friend named Matthew McCoy. Sky ended up staying the night. Travis later said to police that the adults had taken some meth. And when they woke up, they realized that both Matthew and Travis's 1988 Chevrolet pickup with Travis's phone in it were missing. So here's the first part uh, that I need a little clarification on, I guess. Uh, The other friend, Matthew McCoy, is missing, as is Travis's truck with Travis's cell phone in it. So by all indications, Matthew might have taken that truck. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. We don't have any information about what transpired that evening, like during their partying. And I don't know how late they would have slept in from such a night of partying. But when they woke up, both Matthew and the truck are gone. Right. Strange. Okay. And that was Friday, uh, or that is Friday, I should say. And Travis told police that he contacted his carrier, AT&T, and was given an app to use to check the GPS location of his phone. And he said that it located the phone near the intersection of Rankin Road and Bridges Road, just east of Brandon, Mississippi. Yeah, I wonder about the logistics of getting an app with GPS to track your phone. I mean, well, is it just the Find My app, you know, or Find My Phone app, probably? And and you know, the officer just informed uh, these people about it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, where is he down- downloading that app to? A friend's phone? Can you even do that? I guess maybe if you provide your information to AT and T, they would let you do it. Yeah, I think if you were to somehow sign in on your computer as that account maybe you would be able to uh, locate the phone through that app. I'm not really sure, though. So by all indications, the phone is assumed to be in the truck, which is at that time at that intersection of Rankin Road and Bridges Road, which is really close to Highway 20. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, allegedly. This is what Travis said he tracked the phone to. Okay. Then what happens? So Sky, Travis, Amanda, and this four-year-old got into Amanda's sedan, and they went out to look for the truck, allegedly to this place where he had tracked the phone, just east of Brandon. And they stopped on their way at the Exxon station near Greenfield Road, and Sky, Travis, and his four-year-old were seen on video surveillance in the store making purchases. And uh, we have a photo of that. And uh, the timestamp on the video is around 9.48 a.m. Oh, so it's pretty early in the day still by the time they like get out of the house and they're going to look for the truck. And I imagine that's the video um, that was being referenced um, in his clothing description. That's where they got that. And so once at the location on Bridges Road at approximately 10 a.m., Travis and Skye got out of the car and Travis went into the woods on one side of the road to look for the truck and Skye went into the woods on the other side to search. Okay. And this is uh, at approximately 10 a.m., so it's like just over 10 minutes after that CCTV or security uh, footage has that timestamp at 948. So this is right around 10 o'clock, so about 10, 15 minutes away. Yeah, I'm just kind of like putting myself in their position here. So they're tracking a a phone to where they think a car is. I'm assuming they drove up and down that location on the road, kind of looking just visually to see if they could see the car. But why would it make sense for somebody to go into the woods looking for a car unless it was for the phone? Yeah, I'm getting confused here, too, because the the truck is in the woods, I guess. Also, in the photo, I I wanted to note that um, it looks like they're about to buy a water jug or two. So it does look like they're uh, gearing up, in a way, to um, do this search in the woods. That's interesting. That's an interesting observation. Yeah, they're in the aisle. They're getting drinks. And there's the, yeah, those giant water, like the water gallons there. Um, I wonder if that's any sort of, like... um, after effect of the of the meth that they ingested maybe some dehydration yeah yeah that could be true but it's also june in mississippi so i imagine it's like really muggy and hot also a very good observation well guys i am just scrolling through google earth here street view not seeing a lot of spots where and i mean this could be just not accurate because of the time frame. This was in 2016, so things might have changed. But I'm not really seeing things that are like, you know, pull-offs into, uh, like, off of the road, into the woods. Right. So conceivably, if they were looking for a truck, like, they would have had to go off-road to look for this truck. Yeah, or they would have gone down Bridges Road. But Bridges Road, is that a dirt road? Looks like it. Looks like a, looks like a well-maintained dirt road. But again, why why wouldn't they drive down that? Is it, it maybe it was just like too muddy or something for a sedan, and that's why they were walking into the woods? I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at it on Google Earth, and it looks like it almost looks like it could be paved. It it's like it it's not like a dirt road that is uh, looks like hard to traverse. There's um, it's flat. There's a house there, and it being June, right? I wouldn't imagine it to be that muddy, uh, if at all. Yeah, the only way like this story makes any sense that they were searching like on foot is if they were looking for the phone itself and not the car. Yeah. Tracking the phone was the way to find uh, Travis's truck. And that's like his real interest in this search is finding his truck. Also, don't you find it interesting that he didn't detail 
trying to get a hold of Matthew, the guy who, like, isn't this his friend? Right. If his friend borrowed the truck, like, wouldn't you just, like, call him a bunch? And and it's, like, only 10 a.m. by the time they have, like, gotten the kid and the girlfriend and went in search of this truck. Like, that's it's not a whole yeah. lot of time to pass, like, before you're you're, like, okay, we got to get out there and search. Yeah, I mean, maybe they tried or, yeah, then they were just kind of jumping to an assumption, I guess. It's a, it's a great point, and it makes you wonder why, if they went through the effort to contact AT&T to get the app downloaded to locate the phone, they would need another device to use that app, right, to, to locate the phone or a computer. I'm assuming one of the other people had a phone. Why wouldn't you just call your own cell phone? Why wouldn't Travis call his cell phone? You know, maybe Matthew's phone wasn't charged or maybe Matthew didn't have a phone, but why wouldn't he call his own cell phone numerous times until somebody answered? Yeah, and he may maybe have, he but we just don't know. Yeah. That wasn't part of his um, kind of account of what transpired that morning. Mm-hmm. And at some point, Amanda called to Travis as her and their daughter were overly hot in the car with no air conditioning. And Travis stated he attempted to find Sky at this time, but could not. Yeah. How long were they searching? I guess it was like at most half an hour that you're kind of sitting in this hot car with a toddler, you know? Yeah, probably right. And the, But I guess they went separate directions um, from the sedan, supposedly. So uh, if that's true, then Travis and Skye probably wouldn't have bumped into each other uh, while they were looking for the stolen truck. This story is so confusing to me, though. Like, how far could Sky have gotten in that amount of time? And then they make the decision to leave Sky behind. Travis drove Amanda home and then returned to the area to search for Sky, according to his story, but again couldn't find him. And then Travis discontinued his search for Sky around 2 p.m. So only a few hours, like this window that we're looking at. I mean, I suppose Sky could have gotten pretty far in like two hours, but he has a phone, right? I mean, wouldn't he have contacted another friend or his family if he were stranded somewhere for a ride? Yeah, unless it's out of service or something out there in the woods, but it yeah. is kind of close to the highway too. Like probably wouldn't be even though it is in the woods. I'm just, I'm super confused about this. I'm, I'm super confused about the search. I can see going out and searching for the truck with the cell phone in it and then stopping where the location was supposed to have been um, indicated for the phone. And then thinking if you don't see the truck and there's no real area for the truck to pull off into the woods, maybe you hop out because you think they could have thrown the phone into the woods. So one person goes in one direction, the other person goes in the other direction for the phone. But how deep into the woods do you go? Before you're like, no one could have possibly thrown the phone this far into the woods. Uh, and and if Sky walks into the woods so far that it takes so long for Travis to, to go to that side of the road, enter the woods, look around, realize that Sky's missing, then Amanda calls to him, and then he tells her, hey, Sky's gone too. What I have to look for him, him now too. I mean, what, how, does that, how, how did that happen? This whole st story, like, reads like an alien abduction, like one of those crazy stories. Because, like, first his truck goes missing, his friend Matthew goes missing, his phone yeah. goes missing, and then his friend Skylar goes missing. Like, yeah, so yeah. so four, four items, you know, two people, obviously, Matthew and now Sky, but Travis's uh, truck and Travis's phone. So it is a very confusing thing. 
the, the truck and the phone are owned by Travis and he is not missing. So that's another element to, uh, to just make it confusing. And there's no real bodies of water around that area either. It's not like someone slipped into a river or something. Right. Is it mountainous? Looks pretty flat. No, I mean, if this story is true, then Travis is like the unluckiest man in the world. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. And so according to Travis, he discontinued his search for Sky at approximately 2 p.m., and Sky had left behind his cell phone, his shirt, and his cigarettes that were purchased at the Exxon station in Amanda's car. So later that night, I suppose, at 1 a.m. on Saturday, June 4th, Travis makes a 911 call to the Rankin County Sheriff to let them know that his truck had been stolen. And he mentions on the call that he had located his truck at approximately 2 p.m., which, again, is confusing because that was apparently the time that he had told police that he abandoned his search for the truck and for Sky. Yeah, I mean, maybe he'd found his truck and just figured Sky had gotten out of there somehow, if this is true. But when he found his truck at 2 p.m., it had been badly damaged, and it was off of I-20 near Pearl, Mississippi. Okay. So one mystery solved, I suppose. And as almost an afterthought, he mentions that his friend Sky uh, was missing. Uh, his friend Sky, who had helped him look for the truck, was missing, and uh, he could not locate him. I'm very, again, baffled a bit by this. He calls the Rankin County Sheriff's Office to let them know that his truck had been stolen at 1 a.m. on Saturday and says that he found the truck at 2 p.m., Badly damaged off of I-20 in Pearl, Mississippi. Yeah, so he was placing this call, a 911 call, mind you, to the police at an odd hour after he had already found the truck. But I guess it was in his mind that he wanted to press charges against his friend Matthew, who allegedly you know, took the truck that morning. It's an odd window of time to pass, too, for him to decide to call the police at 1 a.m., and then, as an afterthought, be like, oh, yeah, my friend went missing, too. Right. Yeah, I, I don't understand how they went ser searching for the truck. Uh, Sky went missing during that short search. Th that search for Sky, I guess, in the truck ends at 2 p.m., and then he just immediately finds it right afterwards. I mean, maybe, maybe there's some liberties with the times, but, like, how did he just know exactly where it was? Like, how did he go to where the truck was, which wasn't close to where they were looking? I mean... He found it instantly. Yeah, I mean, according to his story, he had tracked his phone to that location. It's, it's not a very exact ping, I don't imagine, but maybe he just kept searching that afternoon after he dropped Amanda off. So if he dropped Amanda off, got back in her sedan, because he doesn't have a truck, and went to go get his truck... How the hell did he get both vehicles back if he was by himself? All right, to, to button it up a little bit better in my head, he ends the search at 2 p.m. at the Rankin Road and Bridges Road location and subsequently finds his truck in Pearl. Now, on a map, Pearl is west, past Brandon, past where, they're, where they live, closer to where they live than where Rankin Road and Bridges Road is. So maybe he finds the vehicle 
and then drives back to Whitfield and makes the call later on that night to police. Maybe he doesn't actually drive the truck. Uh, maybe the truck is still at that location, badly damaged, and, and that's one of the reasons why he's calling the police. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. Because if you're on Rankin Road and Bridges Road, the quickest way back to your home would be to hop on Route 20, I'm, I'm imagining, instead of, instead of the back roads. So going through Brandon, and then maybe he just crosses right into Pearl before heading down 475 into Whitfield, and that's where the truck is. Yeah, still though, I guess if he was on 20, why would he bypass his home to where the truck was unless he knew the truck was there? It looks like you enter into Pearl just north of Whitfield. So you, it might technically be Pearl, but it looks like it's right on the line. So it looks mm. like that, that exit that he would have gotten off on the highway looks like Pearl, and then you head south to Whitfield. Gotcha. Okay. So it's conceivable that he was driving back on I-20 and came across his truck on the side of the yes. road. Yes. Okay. All right. Huh. And I guess the truck wasn't there when they headed out in the morning? Or maybe they wouldn't have seen it on the other side of the road. I don't know. <laughs> but why would they have gone to the, the location in the first place to search for the phone if they, if if we're assuming or, or thinking the phone and the truck would have been in the same place? Well, here's my theory on it. They, they find the phone, so by extension the truck, on Rankin Road and Bridges Road. So Matthew could have taken the truck and headed east maybe on back roads, maybe going north to 20 and then heading over there. And then maybe he was he circled back around and they just missed each other uh, when, when uh, Matthew was coming back. Because you can get there just south off the highway, but it's a more direct route if you head north and then hop on 20. Yeah, I mean, that's a good theory. It's yeah. possible. I'm just, I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to work it out. I don't even know why the truck would be going in that direction and then, you know, maybe maybe he had to go pick something up and then he was coming back around to drop the truck off. Mm-hmm. But why not tell somebody? Leave a note. Make a phone call. Yeah, the search for the truck slash phone is, seems like a bizarre one. And and not to mention Sky goes missing during that search. <laughs> right. You know, which really shouldn't have been far from the road at all, you wouldn't think, or far from the car, you know, which would be, I guess, the, the center of that search. Uh, so I'm I'm very confused on that because it doesn't seem like a lot of time went by. Where could he have gone? Like, uh, I, I mean, I really, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know at all. I mean, so after this 911 call that Travis places about his damaged truck, and I guess, I don't know if it's an official report that his friend Skyler is missing, but he does mention this in this 911 call. But then Travis heads over to Skylar's uncle's house and leaves a note for Sky, because as we know, Sky's phone was left in Amanda's car, so he knows that Sky doesn't have his phone. Um, and the note read, "Travis, Sky's friend, he is missing. I'm worried something bad has happened." Which is like, huh? That's that's a head scratcher. <laughs> Would that be your assumption? Like, if you were searching and your friend just kind of like didn't turn up after I mean 
I, yeah, I kind of think so. If yeah. if uh, he's gone after, you know, you, you went your separate ways for, what, 10, 15 minutes in the woods, and then he's just gone? I mean, I, I do kind of think so. The note does read a little weird still, like Travis, comma, Sky's friend, he is missing. It's still a little weird. Um, and Travis apparently had worked at a car at Sky's uncle's uh, place, so that's how he knew the location. Okay, yeah, gotcha. I mean, yeah, it does make sense. I suppose it's a little worrying, like given the circumstances. And also he knows that Sky left his phone too, which is like, I mean, nowadays people take their phones everywhere. So it's like alarming when somebody leaves one behind. So yeah. All right. Points in Travis's column here. So then Sky's uncle calls his brother, Glenn, Sky's dad, to let him know about the note and let him know that there were two phone numbers on the note, which Glenn calls and speaks to Travis on one of those phone numbers. So I'm assuming those phone numbers were maybe his girlfriend's and like a house phone or not not his own phone, right? Right, because that's still missing, apparently. Okay, so Travis tells Glenn that he's worried and he offers to uh, help him search the area to look for Sky, but Glenn tells him that he's uh, calling the police um, immediately. Yeah, so it seems like during Travis's 911 call, he didn't actually file a missing persons report. Um, That's what Glenn does. And by Sunday afternoon, more than 100 people are on the ground searching for Sky. And they brought in search and rescue, mounted searchers, tracking dogs, ATVs, and helicopters with FLIR cameras. They searched close to 400 acres in that area and found no sign of Sky. So we're talking 100 people cameras, helicopters, ATV, tracking dogs, mounted searches, two days, just two days after, over a distance of 400 acres, and they find nothing of of this man. Yeah, you got to hand it to law enforcement in this one. That's a pretty extensive search, like from what we've seen in other cases. Like they yeah. like to wait a bit, see what happens, and but this was like a real kind of uh, the response you would hope to expect from law enforcement when you report a person missing. Yeah. Good, good point there. And, um, it also makes me think that, you know, they, they took Travis's words, uh, very seriously about what happened and they probably interviewed Sky's girlfriend as well. So at this point, where is Matthew and where is Travis's cell phone? So eventually police do locate and charge Matthew, uh, with stealing Travis's truck Matthew tells them that he immediately threw out Travis's cell phone from the truck as he took off from Travis's home. So, like, pretty close to where they lived is where he threw the cell phone out. So I don't know why (laughs) Travis would have tracked his phone all the way west to Rankin Road. Yeah, great point. And uh, so they went back to search the area near Travis's house, and they located Travis's cell phone. Very, very odd once again. Mm-hmm. And through forensic analysis, they also realized that the cell phone had never been to the area of Rankin Road and Bridges Road. So now his story about contacting AT&T, downloading the app, and finding his phone via GPS at that location cannot be possible. Yeah, well, that makes more sense than it actually happening, right? Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is confusing. Maybe that is partially why this whole thing is confusing. And uh, when Travis is confronted with the information, he doesn't have any explanation for police. It's such an elaborate lie to concoct when you're involving AT&T. 
when you say I con I we contacted AT and T to download the app to locate my phone, I mean you're just opening up for the law enforcement to also contact AT and T and see what they can do. Like, why would you even say that? Why wouldn't you just say like I have an app that identifies where my phone is and the you know because then he can just be like I don't know I guess it was wrong. Right. Yeah. Very confusing. Yeah. Yeah, so that brings into question the whole story of Skye's disappearance, right? I mean, he still could have gone missing from that area, but the reason for them being in that area is not because they were tracking the phone or the truck. Yeah, now it's now it's just like downright suspicious why he was brought there in the first place. Right, because we have to remember that we have a timestamp of 9.48, about 10 minutes away from that location. Mm-hmm. So based on this conflicting story and evidence, police serve a search warrant on Travis and Amanda's house. Um, Once there, they locate drug paraphernalia, and both were arrested and charged with probably possession of some sort. While in custody, both Travis and Amanda are given polygraphs. Amanda passes hers, but Travis does not. Deception is noted to the question of if he knows what happened to Skylar. However, at this time, there's not enough information to charge Travis in the disappearance of Skylar, but both Travis and Amanda are no longer cooperating or speaking about what happened on June 3rd of 2016. Well, damn, that's uh, unfortunate that they're no longer cooperating or speaking about what happened. Has anything happened? I know that they were into drugs and likely that might have been escalating a bit because uh, I'm not sure if this was the first time that they had done meth together, but uh, maybe they had done it in the past. But w- was there anything leading up to this, like to indicate that Skylar might be in a position where he was in danger or the they all had to like scramble to do something, you know, and, and, and Sky just happened to be collateral damage? Yeah, it's possible. Um, Sky's girlfriend came forward to the police and let them know that Sky had told her he had recently ripped off a drug dealer in Jackson, Mississippi. That's a big kind of break in the case because you look in a whole other direction. I mean, look, Travis and Amanda's stories don't make any sense, but it's like no evidence of guilt that they did anything wrong. But this like drug dealer thing, um, as we get into it, maybe more of a lead than we think. That is definitely an odd thing and something I hope the police did their due diligence on. But it's hard to think that Travis doesn't have more information here in Skylar's disappearance. Is this the same girlfriend that they were writing scriptures to each other? So she's she stayed with him right up until his disappearance. And I guess uh, he trusted her enough to tell her that they had robbed or he had robbed a drug dealer. Yeah. And uh, a possible twist here, another one, I should say, after Sky went missing in an interview with Dark Horse Press, Sky's mother, Stacy, said that a former inmate that knew Sky had contacted her. And he told her that while in prison for possessing the Xanax at age 18 that we spoke about earlier, Sky had been forced to join the gang Simon City Royals against his will. And because it was a matter of survival, apparently. The former inmate was also a gang member, but he also felt so highly of Sky being a good person that he felt he needed to call his mom and tell her, tell her this. 
He said that if Sky would not have joined the gang, that he would not have made it out of there. And Sky's father said that Sky was considering going to police about the gang and prison around the time that he went missing. Yeah, so I imagine this is a thing that extends outside of prison, too, because um, one of the reasons you have gangs in prison is to, like, get illegal substances in and out of the jail, right? So he could conceivably have had dealings with this gang once outside of prison. What do we know about the Simon City Royals? Well, according to the research that we did, the Simon City Royals are a street gang that originated in 1952 in Chicago, and they are known to be one of the oldest and largest white gangs in the United States. They deal in drugs, uh, particularly getting drugs into the prison system where members are incarcerated. And it's also noted in Wikipedia that it's one of the fastest growing gangs in Mississippi In 2019, several gang members were indicted in Mississippi in regards to an assault that happened to cover up racketeering activities. I mean, they run the gamut of intimidation, violence, murder, attempted murder, identity fraud, obstruction of justice. Investigation has shown that the Simon City Royals gang is active within the correctional system of Mississippi. Yikes. And with all that information, one theory is that someone got wind of what Sky was considering in informing the sheriff about the gang and either gut the sky or force Travis to put sky in a situation where they could get to him. That feels a little roundabout to me for a gang that's that prolific. Like if they're going to get sky, they can just go get sky. And I wonder what sky was involved with. Like what information was he going to go to the sheriff with? It wasn't just like that this gang exists because of course law enforcement's aware of, of this gang. They have a Wikipedia page for God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a joke, but it's not. (laughs) yeah i mean it's definitely something to like pay attention to and look at in this investigation um but i definitely would want to know how travis fit into this picture too and after sky disappeared a bible was found sitting on his bed and it was opened and there was a verse highlighted and it was joshua 1 9 it said be strong and courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged for the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. And there was also a note for his girlfriend on the nightstand. It encouraged her to continue to nourish her faith in that they were both saved at Hickory Ridge Baptist Church. And his mom told Dark Horse Press that she says she feels like this might be a sign that he knew he was in danger. While I stand behind somebody who has faith in anything— and I stand behind parents who will find encouragement in something like this or find meaning in something like this, you could probably open up the Bible to any page and find something like that. And if he was actively reading the Bible, if it was something that he was trying to do to maybe stay sober, maybe his girlfriend and him were you know, actively trying to become more involved with the church— Maybe he made it a practice to read the Bible every every morning or every night or something. So it was just open to that page, and the verse was highlighted. You know, he's probably got a number of highlights in that book. And in 2019, the Rankin County Sheriff stated that they had a new lead. And it's not been leaked what the lead is, and there doesn't seem to be any movement in regards to that lead. And the family is also not sure what this what this uh, potential lead is and uh 
something to note that happened after Sky's disappearance, which is just like the most tragic thing outside of, you know, a loved one going missing. But Sky's mother was contacted by a woman who had had a son and found out that it was actually Skylar's son, whom he never got to meet. Do we know if Sky even knew that he had a son? I don't think that he did. If you have any information in Joe Skyler Burnley's disappearance, please contact the Rankin County Sheriff's Office at 601-825-1480. And if there are any family members or friends of Joseph Burnley who have information on him or his disappearance, perhaps there was some information that we stated here that was inaccurate, please feel free to go to crawlspace-media.com and contact us through the website there. We read all of the emails that come in. And uh, yes, if there was anything that we said that is inaccurate or you can elaborate on, we certainly don't want to have bad information or misinformation out there. Uh, We want to try to be as productive as possible. So uh, crawlspace-media.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.